Good morning, church. Thank you, Jerome, for that. That was wonderful. Our scripture reading this morning is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 11 through 17. Let me just kind of lead you up to this scripture reading. Um, the Apostle Paul is writing this from a prison cell to a group of people in a town called Colossae. And uh, these people in Colossae, they have this idea, which was actually a popular idea, that they had to become like a Jew in order to be right with God. A lot of the people there were not Jews. They were Greeks. Um, and, you know, they were, they were thinking, well, we got to be like a Jew. We got to celebrate these Jewish festivals. We got to be circumcised. And Paul says, no, you don't need any of that. Anybody can have faith in Christ. Doesn't matter where you're from, what your race is, who you are. Anybody can have faith in Christ. So with that in mind, uh, let's read our scripture reading from Colossians chapter 3. It says, Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, fully and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Today, we continue our series on how to be us, how to be the church, and I want to focus in on Colossians chapter 3. Verse 13, which says, bear with one another. Bear with one another. The New Living Translation says, make allowance for each other's faults. Make allowance for each other's faults. The idea here is that we put up with one another. Okay? We're putting up with one another. In every relationship that you have, whether it be marriages, friendships, Relationships with your in-laws, people here at church, maybe in your small group. There is some level that you're going to have to put up with people. Now, man, I wouldn't put it like that if you're talking to your wife. You know, honey, I'm just putting up with you this week. You know, don't say that, men, all right? You can find a better way. Maybe just keep your mouth shut. But... I do like how the NLT says, make allowances for each other's faults. And boy, we have a hard time with that. But as long as a person is a human, they are flawed. And you're going to have to work on making allowance for each other if the relationship is going to work. And it's reciprocal. You know, I bet, I guarantee when I said you're going to have to make allowance for each other's fault, you thought of somebody else's fault. You thought about your spouse or your parents or your children. 
you didn't think about your own faults. But I'll ima- I would imagine that somebody here is thinking about you and your faults. Because we're all flawed, right? So we need to keep that in mind. So in order to stick together and to be the church, we have to realize that we all have faults. Now, this doesn't mean that we're all just kind of going around miserable because we're just putting up with each other. No, it means that we can create a culture where it's easy to forgive one another. And it's easier to bear with one another because we realize that we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to say something that gets on somebody's nerves, likely. These things happen. The Apostle Paul even talks about how he boasts in his faults. How God makes him perfect through weakness. Now, this doesn't mean that, you know, we're just trying to be the worst people that we can be. Um, We can still improve ourselves. You know, if you're a procrastinator and you get in the way of other people's plans, you should probably try to be more organized, right? Some people's flaw is that they think they have no flaws, right? That's a flaw. If you think you have no flaws, that's a flaw. Maybe you're like this cat in the picture, okay? And you think everybody else is the one who's got the problems. They're just bothering me all the time, right? So, wherever healthy relationship exists, allowance for fault also exists. Don't be like the cat in this picture. One of our strongest groups here at Heartland Church of Christ is our ladies' Bible class. And you know what? I would imagine that every once in a while, believe it or not, some some lady in that class or a group of ladies gets on the nerves of other ladies. Say it, say it ain't so, not in church. Our men's breakfast on Tuesday mornings. I'll say it. Sometimes I'm a little annoyed by some other men. But you know what? I bet I've stepped on some toes at those breakfasts. I bet I've been annoying, right? Okay? So just because we're the church doesn't mean that we're all perfect. We don't have conflict. We don't rub each other the wrong way. People just have a way of getting on each other's nerves. It happens. So, Paul says that we have to wear the wardrobe of Christ, which is compassion. He says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Because we need those things in the church. If we're going to have relationships with people, you've got to clothe yourself with these things. Without these things, it's impossible to be the church. Without these things, marriages don't last. Friendships break up and churches split. So we got to make sure that every week, every day, we're clothing ourselves with the wardrobe of Christ. Compassion, humility, gentleness, patience, kindness. In Modern America, really probably all of America and and a lot of other countries, but in modern America, 
Where is that place where people go, where they feel like they can fit in, where they where they feel like they belong, and that they can be themselves and be accepted for who they are and be loved? Where is that place? Let me give you a hint. Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. You know where that is? It's the bar. The bar in modern America is where it all, you know, it's like that's where you can go, where everybody knows your name. Some of you are like, what is he talking about? Some of these younger folks. Okay, Cheers. You know the, the show Cheers? You ever heard of that? Okay. Took place at a bar where everybody knows your name. Okay. It's an 80s sitcom. But, uh, you know, nothing against the bar. This sermon isn't going to be like a complete bar bashing sermon. Having a drink every once in a while is permissible, although definitely not beneficial in all circumstances. So you have to use wisdom there. But the bar is really a counterfeit community where there is a big gap. It only offers temporary reprieve from one's sorrow and worries. Temporary. True, genuine community where people feel like they can let their hair down, where they can feel like they can be themselves. And you don't have to have something special to break your break the ice. That kind of community should be the place where Jesus is, don't you think? And we call ourselves the body of Christ. We claim to be where Jesus is. We shouldn't need liquor, alcohol, a drink to let our hair down and laugh and to talk about and even talk about our faults and laugh about them. Be who we are. Another popular song you've probably heard. It came out, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. Toby Keith, I love this bar. Some lyrics from that uh, song. I love this bar. It's my kind of place. Just walking through the front door puts a big smile on my face. It ain't too far. Come as you are. mm 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 I love this bar. Now, wouldn't it be nice if we showed the same enthusiasm for church as people do for their bar? If we shared the same enthusiasm or had more enthusiasm about the genuine, true community as people do about the counterfeit, temporary community. In order for that to happen, we must bear with each other. we got to put up with each other. In Mark chapter 9, verse 19, Jesus says, Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I put up with you? So this morning, we're going to take a quick survey of how Jesus put up with his apostles in order to see how Jesus puts up, how he bears with us, okay? Because nowhere do we find such a breadth of love demonstrated by Jesus in contrast to such a breadth 
of error and faults demonstrated by the apostles. Now, the apostles were kind of like us, right? They're just trying to follow Jesus. And they had their moments where they excelled. You know, they left their career in order to follow Jesus. That took a big leap of faith. Um, Jesus sent them on a mission trip one time. That turned out to be very fruitful. The apostle Peter even confesses that Jesus is the Christ. That's all very good. But time and time again, the apostles showed their faults. We're told more on, on more than one or two occasions that the apostles would gripe and they would fight and they would argue even over who was better than the other person. Pretty childish, pretty immature. The apostle Peter, right after he confesses that Jesus is the Christ, gets in the way of Jesus' mission. And Jesus has to tell him, get behind me, Satan. Those are pretty strong words. How would you like to be told that by Jesus? Get behind me, Satan. We can really just focus on the Apostle Peter himself. The Apostle Peter is the kind of person who, you know, he doesn't know when to keep his mouth shut. Um, He doesn't understand the concept of raising his hand or taking one turn. Okay? We kind of know the type. He shows a lot of promise. It's always kind of getting in his own way. Of course, it was Peter who stepped down off the boat into the water. It wasn't going to be anybody else but Peter. But it ended the same for Peter as it always did with Jesus having to save him, to rescue him. It's the way it always ended for Peter. Jesus always had to save him. It was Peter who wanted to build these altars for Elijah and Moses and worship them on the mountain of transfiguration. The Gospel of Luke says Peter didn't know what he was talking about. Peter disowns Jesus three different times. And when the guards came to take Jesus away to his eventual death, Peter pulls out his sword and cuts off one of the guards' ears. And Jesus has to miraculously put the ear back on the soldier. Can you imagine what that was like? I mean, it's almost funny. Peter cuts off the ear, and Jesus is like, I'm sorry. My friend, he can be a little excited, I know. But let me just, that looks pretty good. Yep, that looks good. Now, we're a little late, aren't we? You know, that's almost funny. Can you imagine Peter standing back there like, oh man, messed up again. Embarrassed. Jesus praises Peter one moment and rebukes him the next. And the rest of the apostles, they're not much better. And while every once in a while a situation called for Jesus to yield his authority, like when he called Peter Satan, usually Jesus' main tactic was to teach patiently, to bear with them, encourage them. And the, and the rest of the people, too. He had compassion on them. Whenever, whenever the Bible talks about Jesus miraculously feeding thousands of people, or whenever Jesus heals somebody, it's because he had compassion on them. 
His heart went out to them. And He's always kind to sinners. He loved His flock and took care of them. So imagine these apostles, including Peter, who disowned Jesus three times. He's probably still embarrassed. Imagine how they felt after Jesus lost his life and the way that Jesus died. Imagine how they felt. Imagine how guilty they must have felt for letting this happen like it did and for always falling short and not fully understanding. I wonder, do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel guilty for letting Jesus down? Do you ever feel like, I'm no follower of Christ at all? I never get it right. Well, if this is how you feel, if you've ever felt like this, check out Mark chapter 16, verse 1 through 7. Because when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? Now, look at he- looky here. This angel of God says, But go, tell his disciples and Peter, He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. You see what's happening. This angel of God tells these very faithful ladies that despite these men's faults, the apostles' faults, despite them disowning Jesus and despite their disobedience, Jesus has not forgotten about them. Jesus still thinks they're on his side. They're on the same team. They're not fired. Jesus isn't kicking them to the curb. In fact, Jesus has a job for them. He's got a promotion for them. A big responsibility. Because when Jesus sees these apostles, he says, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. That is a big Promotion for a team that probably didn't deserve it. They didn't earn that. But you know what? The apostles, they didn't disappoint. They did it. They preached the gospel. They healed the sick. They did a lot of great things. Most of them even died for the cause that they believed in, showing an enormous amount of faith in Jesus. It's the kind of thing that can happen when a group of flawed, infuriating people bear with one another, remain faithful to Christ, and stick together. We bear with one another 
like Christ bears with us. So let's read our primary scripture once more. Verses 12 through 14 of Colossians chapter 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, if you ever think about giving up or leaving whenever something goes wrong or whenever somebody gets on your nerves, you'll never know the genuine, true community that you really hunger for. You'll never experience that if you don't ever put a lot of effort into bearing with one another. But when you stick together, when you make allowances for each other's faults, and you realize that, hey, I'm a flawed person too. I can get on your nerves too. That true, genuine community that you hunger for becomes possible. Where else can you go where there is such a breadth of differences among people? Yet such a breadth of love and friendship and unity. You think that we can do better than the local bar. I think we can. I sure think we can. I hope we can. And when people come here to experience that community, they're not to get they're not going to get just a temporary reprieve from their worry. They're going to find the answers to their eternal question. They're going to find the Savior of the world, the Savior of their everlasting soul, something permanent. That's the community that people thirst for. So even though we, just like Jesus' disciples were, flawed, imperfect, sometimes infuriating people, Jesus still believes in us. He still believes in you and me, He prays for you. He challenges you. And you know, He never stops pursuing us. Even even if we've done wrong, as long as we have faith in Christ, like those apostles did, who were just tripping over themselves all the time, they couldn't get it right, Jesus never stopped pursuing us. Maybe this morning you've been guilty of looking down on other people. Maybe you've been like that cat in the picture where you're kind of looking down your nose at other people. You're not looking at yourself first. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe it's time to start believing in those people who you think are so flawed And so annoying, they get on your nerves. Maybe it's time to start believing in them, praying for them, and pursuing a relationship with them, just like Jesus did did for his apostles, just like he does with you. Jesus does it with compassion, humility, kindness, gentleness, and patience.
Let's wear that wardrobe of Christ and do the same with each other. Whatever your need, the front row is open this morning. You can come forward. We'll pray for you. We'll talk to you about becoming a Christian. We'll baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever your need, please come forward as we stand and sing.